So, hello and welcome to Sliding Doors Podcast, episode three. Uh, thank you for all the love so far. We are available on all your good Google, uh, all your good podcast uh, streams and stuff. So get on, get on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, just search for Sliding Doors and obviously give us a five-star rating if you're feeling generous. Uh, and obviously we're also available on YouTube. If you could subscribe, that'd be great. Um, and we're, like I say, we're into episode three already. So uh, we're joined today by, by Freddie. Freddie's going to introduce himself shortly. Uh, and yeah, over to you, Freddie. Great. Thank you so much, Rob. Hi, I'm Freddie Williams. Um, I'm a talent acquisition specialist um, and I'm really looking forward to uh, be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Rob. Really appreciate it. Thank, thanks for coming on. It's, it's good to have you. So uh, we'll we'll get straight into it. Uh, sure. Obviously, as, as is kind of tradition now, ep- uh, topic one is all around kind of love and, and relationships. So if you want to just kick us off with your your sliding door moment around around that. Sure. So, um, yeah, crikey, sliding door moment um, for relationships. I mean, I've I've had a few. Mm. Uh, so it is different. It is difficult to pick. But, you know, um, <clears throat> I'm gay. I'm very open about who I am. I'm very kind of confident within my sexuality. So, you know, I think for me, um, you know, I've, 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 I've kind of always struggled with the relationships mm. when it comes to being gay, because, you know, there's a lot of selectiveness. There's a lot of like judgment. There's a lot of different things that kind of goes on within, within the community walls, I guess. And, um, you know, so I've always struggled to find people who really kind of are a bit like me, um, you know, not really followers of the crowd as such. Um, but I guess my sliding door moment for me in terms of relationships would be um, my first my first um, partner uh, who I met at a LGBT group, at LGBT uh, youth group in, in Bristol um, called Freedom Youth fantastic group um it was it went it's still going now actually um set up in old market um but uh you know the whole purpose of the group really was there to support the lgbtq plus community i mean obviously when i went and i was 13 at the time uh, not 13 i was about well i was going from about the age of 15 but yeah. um you know i probably when i met my first partner I was about 18 um and uh, the fantastic group and what they do, um, you know, so there was a real diverse age range because it was it was like 13 to like 20, um, you know, so there were lots of different people there. Um, and I think that when I first met my I guess my sliding door moment really is, is, you know, I was um, I, I wish now kind of maybe that I'd carried on with that relationship. Um, a little bit you know what if I'd I'd continue with that you know when I met Tom um, we were very different people yeah very different people you know I was 18 I was just coming into my own in terms of my sexuality you know because I would hit the clubs every weekend I don't know if you remember Flamingos nightclub yeah yeah I do remember that (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that was like drink the bar jai 20 pound I used to hit that up every weekend so you know, it was really, um, it was kind of my coming of age almost that I suppose I ne- didn't necessarily have when I was a bit younger. So, you know, um, when I was with Tom, he, I, I think that I was quite ahead of yeah. the relationships in terms of feeling confident with who I was, but he 
wasn't you know because he was from a he was from western he was from you know uh quite tight-knit family who aren't homophobic and they loved him very much but i think he just wasn't entirely comfortable with um you know with i you guess without, with slightly being, ahead yeah. in terms of you know where where you were on your journeys yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and you know it's really funny because i had to grow up with a lot of resilience i grew mm -hmm. up in st paul's uh you know central bristol um and it is a predominantly um black area so there yeah. were a lot of black kids black families um and you know coming from a a dual heritage family myself um and growing up within jamaican culture caribbean culture you know it was very difficult because i was homophobically abused from you know, from the age of like probably five up <laughs> to about 15. So I had to have a thick skin. And then in year 10, you know, I came out at school. I came out at school. My English teacher pretty much forced me out of the closet into the class yeah, in front okay. of loads of homophobic students, which is great. Um, but at that point, I think that I had just kind of made a realization that this is who I am. I accept that about myself. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, kind of looking back on it now, um, I wasn't, I could have been a lot more empathetic, Yeah, I think, in my relationship with Tom. Uh, so that would definitely be it for me. Yeah, and I think that's definitely, like you say, that that comes with age, doesn't it, in terms of, yeah. you know, being aware of that. You wouldn't certainly wouldn't have been aware of that at the time. And no. I think that you know just to kind of and if you're you're happy to share but I think you know, that was really interesting what you said then around your English teacher kind of forced you out so mm. that for me sounds really interesting if, if you're comfortable to kind of expand on that yeah no 100% um I think it's probably my favorite story to tell, <laughs> which is really odd um but I always wanted a bit of a dramatic coming out um uh, but I'm very fortunate to be able to do that and be loved um, at the same time and have the support and kindness, um, which, you know, not a lot of people have extended yeah, to them, yeah. which is a complete shame. Um, but yeah, it was really strange. I, I remember the days of MSN Messenger. <laughs> And uh, I had told a girl from school that I was gay. I kind of, I'd broken up with my girlfriend who I was seeing. Um, and I told this girl that I was gay, that I liked men. And then it just spread like wildfire. <laughs> it just was well, like, it, yeah. And no one was surprised. I mm. mean, no one was like, oh, Freddie's gay. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know, it was kind of a, a bit of like, um, a bit of an anticlimax really but I remember it was a hot topic in school you know they were having debates about whether or not I actually was gay because I'd just been told that for all of my life um whether or not you know I'm I'm faking it or you know how am I going to survive in the school environment now that I'm you know an out and proud homosexual uh and then I remember being sat in English and uh, one of the students I think I I think I just always kind of made like we all made snide remarks to mm. each other because we didn't really all like each other anyway um and I said something to some person and they went oh at least I'm not gay mm. and the entire class fell silent like you'd hear a pin drop and my teacher was like well if Freddie's gay that's that's okay like it's fine Freddie, are you gay? You can stand up and tell us. Stand up and tell us if you're gay, Freddie. So I was a bit like, well, now I feel like I have mm -hmm. to say something. Yeah. When you're 15, 
universal little crash it. Yeah, yeah, that's a big moment. Yeah. Yeah, to put on someone that young, you know, to be like, oh, you can tell the class. And I was like, but that's not your job. Yeah. That's my job. Because it's my news, it's my, you know, it's, it's part of who I am. Um, and I remember standing up and being like, yeah, I'm gay. And it was almost kind of like a, I always, it was really weird. I, I did feel very kind of, it was almost like a weight had been lifted off my mm. shoulders you know, because I'd held it back for so long because I always knew, I think I knew from the day that I was born that mm. I liked men, you know, and don't get me wrong, I think women are, are stunning and I dated women, um, you know, but there was always something about men that was different for me, you know, and from a young age, from a young age, I can remember that being a thing for me. And, and so, how, how did it go in terms of, and again, don't you don't have to, to share if you don't want to, obviously you kind of mentioned that it became more of a expectation that that you mm-hmm. were going to announce how how was that with kind of your family in terms of that because again you um you kind of hear stories about that not going so well um I think our our generation it probably is more accepted yeah. obviously previous generations probably not as much so no. um so yeah just if obviously if you want to expand on that then then yeah, yeah no yeah. of course um like I said you know I'm very fortunate Mm. I am very loved. I'm very liked. Um, you know, I've always had the support of all of my family, all of my family. Um, my mom, especially, you know, I think she always knew. <laughs> I, I, I think I popped out doing jazz hands, um, <laughs> you know. So uh, I think she always kind of knew that one mm. day that would be a reality for me. Um, and I was very fortunate I grew up with lesbian aunties um, and cousins as well, you know, so, and gay men, mm. uh, a lot of gay men, you know, um, especially with my auntie, because she was very into, you know, she was very into the scene. Yeah. Um, and she had some great gay friends. And I remember having that being part of my narrative, you mm. know, and not being afraid of that either. Um, and not being afraid, you know, I remember doing like theatre in school and drama and the teachers were always fairly camp <laughs> and people have always called me camp so I've never I've just you know I've never held back and I think that you know my family have just always accepted always accepted that about me you know and I'm very fortunate I'm very very fortunate um that that has been mm. something for me and you know it's really funny I, I do talk to mum and a, a bit of a sliding door moment actually <laughs> and I said you know, if I was gay in, in another time period, you know, the 80s or the 90s, you know, would you be worried for me? And she said, yeah, I would, yeah, you because know, because it was so different. different. Yeah. So different. Um, and, um, you know, and I, I do wonder sometimes, I wonder what my life would be if, if, I, if I didn't like men, you know, if I wasn't attracted to men who, you know, I can't, it's, it's, it's funny that I sit down sometimes and I think, you know, if I was to if I was to marry a woman, who would I marry? <laughs> what would my life look like? Yeah. So, um, you know, but I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess that now, kind of all of that reflection. Um, I'm very. I know you know Daisy, my housemate. Um, you know, we've been friends for quite a long time now, and uh, you know, like she said in her podcast, I think we're very fortunate that we have each other that we're like each other's platonic soulmates um you know that she's really my twin (laughs) Um, that just magically appeared um 
And I think you don't need, you know, you don't always need that, I guess, um, all of that kind of uh, normal relationship stuff. Um, it's sometimes, it, you know, you can have a good relationship with someone and it doesn't have to be sexual. It doesn't have to be anything like that. You know, it can just be a good, solid friendship. Um, and that's and that's healthy. I think it's, it's, it's that's, that's been really interesting from from my point of view in terms of kind of, like say it, it's interesting to think about like you mentioned Tom and you you kind of being at different mm. stages and and then that kind of ripple effect of you know wondering whether you ever would have got to the same stage I guess is is, is the yeah. moment isn't it it's kind of thinking would would we have ever aligned up in terms of your journeys is, that is the what if isn't it it's um yeah that, that's been really interesting thank you um so Sorry. moving moving kind of swiftly on to topic two uh so Topic two obviously is around kind of um, career, kind of work based. So, have you got you know kind of a, an example for us there around the sliding door moment? Yeah, a hundred percent. So, I originally trained as an actor, professional singer. Wow. Okay. Um, I think kind of stemming again, stemming back to my childhood. You know, that was always my dream was to be on the stage. I don't think I could have thought of anything else um and now you know I'm a talent acquisition specialist for a company in Manchester called CTI Digital um and we provide things like you know websites and um we do digital transformation for companies all over the UK um and you know I think back on that I look at where I am now and I go wow mm. you know that wasn't what you wanted you know not that long ago like five yeah. maybe six seven years ago you know that's not what you wanted you wanted to be on the stage so how did I get here um you know and I think that I don't I don't think anyone really ever falls into recruitment no, <laughs> no I don't think anyone ever picks to go into recruitment no. but you fall you know and it just happens yeah I was working a I just come back from London so I'd done my university degree I'd finished off um you know because I took a bit of a break and I went to London. I was in a production of The Jungle Book uh, okay. on the road. <laughs> yeah. What, um, I, I, what, what part did you play? I played Blue, the band. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Part. yeah, and it was great. Um, and it was like an educational piece for children. Um, and it was so much fun. And I really wanted to continue that. And I, I stayed in London for a little while longer. And I did, you know, audition for things like Dream Girls, television, all of that stuff. Um, and getting up at like five o'clock in the morning to get the coach down to London to go to Pineapple Dance Studios and queue for hours on end to just get told no, you know, is it's really soul damaging. Yeah. Um, and I think that when I came back to Bristol, um, I didn't have any work, work dried up. Um, I wasn't getting any acting work. So I then went to care work um, and I love care work. You know, I'm a very caring person in my nature. Um, and then from there started doing the admin um, that led to recruitment. And then I guess really kind of tumbled in from there, you know, tumbled in and I'm kind of sat where I am now, you know, as a talent acquisition specialist, kind of almost five years on <laughs> it's, it's, it's so crazy to think that you know I wouldn't have ever thought of this life for myself ever do, do you um, think there was ever do you think there's kind of and and I, I absolutely relate to that bit around you know the big journey into London doing doing the interview thinking that you know what what is the point ultimately isn't it after you when you get that no 
is there one that kind of sticks out in your mind was that what was that kind of turning point of this this is not going to be the route like I need to I need to find something else you know was there one that kind of sticks out to you that was a particular experience Um, probably dream girls was Mm. my last proper audition Mm. and it was an open audition so I went to London really early I'd stayed the night actually no I went I stayed the night before because I was I was seeing my friend so I stayed the night before and I traveled halfway across London to the Royal Shakespeare Company to do this audition and um you know they asked they asked for um you know people of color and, and people who are mixed race as well dual heritage so I was like that's fine I'm dual heritage you know I'm a bit lighter but you know like my mum and my sister um something I'm very proud of um is my heritage and uh I went to this audition and they just looked at me and they were like oh okay so I sang and I remember the, the guys started playing and auditions are always kind of my downfall, really. Um, I never do well in auditions for some reason. I, I choke and I'm like, oh, too many people. Oh, no. So I remember I was singing this song. Um, I can't remember what it was now. I think it's um, Catch Me If You Can, the musical. And I got to the high note and I just fell. Mm. I just I did. I just I don't know what happened and they just smiled and they were like okay well thank you for coming in (laughs) we'll call you if we need you so that was that I was shipped off you know I was like well I I definitely don't have that and I think that was my turning point that was my like okay actually you know can you keep doing this is this something you know um you want to keep doing and I did a few more after that as well um and that was just cruise ship auditions, but they just get so competitive. Mm. And you could walk in it. The lovely thing with theatre is everyone's so friendly. Uh, so no one ever, um, <laughs> you know, especially in an audition situation. So, you know, you walk into a dance studio and the dance studio is huge. So there's usually about maybe like 70, 80 people, 100 sometimes, right. depending on the show. And you walk into a dance studio and all these eyes are just like fixated <laughs> on you. And you're just like, um, okay, well, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> and you're, you're scared. It's terrifying, you know, and also being slightly bigger as well. Um, you know, I, I, you know, and that's something I'm okay with, but in musical theatre land, being big mm. or being fat is, is just viewed as, no it's not a thing you know everyone's stick thin you know um so yeah so I I I think though that but that dream girls audition was definitely Mm -hmm. my capitalist it was my like I was like okay this is I've got to finish now because I don't think I can continue (laughs) to do this and I was also vastly running out of money at that point so I was like I can't rely on mum forever so I do have to actually get a job um yeah because I I had uh, a sim not a Obviously, not not in kind of uh, wanting to be on stage or anything like that. But I I had always had this idea of you know everyone talks about traveling when they're they're early you know, early or certainly late teens early twenties, um, and I always had this kind of ambition I guess to kind of do that and and work to so kind of do that um, and and for some whatever reason I always wanted to do a ski season and I and it always sticks in my head as that again a bit of a crossroad moment of. Um, I kind of went to an audition, uh, uh, in, an audition, an interview in London for a 
um, kind of ski season. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they always mm. want people. It'd be really easy. It's, it's fine. It's just an interview. You'll nail it. And I remember like traveling, like you say, till eight o'clock in the morning to get to this back-ass place in London um, to have an interview for like a ski, you know, bar supervisor or whatever. I was doing bar work at the time. I thought I've got this, and you know, I, I can I can do an interview. I'll be fine. Um, and then just went to pieces in the interview. Couldn't think about any of the examples they wanted to hear. Literally, it was all done by eleven a.m. And I was like, and it started at ten. They were like, yeah. literally, I, I was cut at the first round. And I thought, like, I just can't can't do that anymore. I need to kind of think about getting back into retail. Kind of because mm. I'd started in retail, then I'd gone to kind of hospitality in in kind of pursuit of that and then it like again it was just that no again and I was like I need to think about kind of the next interview and it and getting it and and that was kind mm. of where when I then had the Primark interview obviously ultimately met Daisy yeah um and kind of got back into retail that way but yeah I, I can certainly relate in terms of that that five <laughs> that 5 a.m start traveling to London the, yeah, the weight of expectation on you, isn't it, for that, mm-hmm. for what you mm-hmm. perceive as something you really want at the time, and yeah. then you don't get it, and you're like, right now I've got to reevaluate. Now I've got to think about a different route, um, mm-hmm. and and obviously it's led us to where we are now. I, I never thought I'd be interviewing people on a podcast. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? I think life has so many funny like paths, and you can have all the what's if, what ifs, but you know, I, I'm a huge believer everything happens for a reason, um, you know, and I do believe that, you know, acting is probably the reason why I'm sat here today, you know, and, and doing what I'm doing and talking to you. Um, but I still make it a part of my everyday life, you know, that I I use a lot of my acting as being neurodiverse as well. You know, I'm not neurotypical. I don't think the same way that people think. So, um, you know, kind of, I use a lot of my acting skills to be able to put on a bit of a front or or kind of make people see things differently or, or kind of just, you know, um, I guess putting on a bit of a mask, really. Um, and I used to do a lot of like interview training. I used to do a lot of like um, pre-job training, kind of a previous role. And I'd always be like, imagine you're on the stage. Imagine you're just talking, you're a character. Because even though you want it to be real and it should be 100% authentic, um, you know, just having a bit of a kind of I guess getting a bit of that bravado you know that you get on stage you know you're not yourself for five minutes just kind of you know um having a bit of that mask I I think is always helpful and that's what I love you know and that's what I always try to carry with me um what in whatever I do you know and I still sing and I still do things so (laughs) I think yeah I think on on that the biggest one that's kind of stuck in my head around that was always that that TED talk about fake it until you make it. That that's the yeah. one that I kind of went after that like bad interview. I kind of went, okay, I need to look at kind of obviously I need to look at my interview technique. I need to look at what I was doing in terms of prep. Mm. Um, and yeah, that one always sticks out to me. That TED, you know, if, if people haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. If you're going for an interview, it it is the the five minute pep talk that you need. Yeah. before you go into any interview it, it it just basically tells you to kind of like you say front it out you know you're you you're giving them the version that they of you that they want to see ultimately um and then you can go back to being your normal self when you come out of that interview but obviously if you want whatever you're interviewing for or auditioning for obviously mm. for example 
Um, yeah, I, I would absolutely recommend that video. Um, and I'll pop it in the comments on, on the YouTube video app when we, when we put this up um, for people to go and have a look. A hundred percent. I always think of everything, you know, they talk about acting as a craft, mm. you know, acting as a craft, you know, develop your craft, believe in your craft. And I think that about every job, every aspect of your life is a craft, you know, working in t talent acquisition is a craft. You know, I have to do things. I have to consistently learn and develop. And it's same in HR, you know, you have to always be one step ahead so you know kind of doing as much as you can every day to learn and, and develop is is really important um, and I think that really helps in the long run you know with things like Definitely. interviews and and talking and <laughs> you know <laughs> even if you don't believe it someone yeah. else will so. <laughs> uh, so yeah obviously that moving on to our, our third and final topic um, this is always the the scary one for me because I, I don't know what you're going to say next um, okay. But obviously, it's, it's the wild card. So it's over to you, Freddie. Yeah. So I thought quite hard about my wild card um, because I do have a few, I guess, really. Um, but I guess for me, uh, would be drama school. Mm. Um, you know, I guess all of my roots go back to theatre. All of my roots, wherever I look at it, from whatever perspective, everything will always head back to the stage mm -hmm. um and I wish I just wish that you know I I auditioned for the drama school um and I got in and I was so so over the moon with myself because that's hard that's not easy you know yeah. drama school is very difficult to get into and um you know and I they they were like it's 10 grand <laughs> and I was like oh I don't have 10 grand um and I begged my mom I begged my mom I was like please 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 can you just do this loan it was like a guarantor loan so you know if I can't pay it I should yeah. have to pay it um <laughs> and I can understand why she said no but yeah of course I wish I'd just done it mm. I wish I'd just gone for it because I think my life would be so different now so different I I wouldn't I would be on the stage now I yeah. think because you would have the discipline you have the training you have the you know all the bits and even though I did you know four years of musical theatre at college and a fifth year at university it was they were all quite Mickey Mouse courses I, I, would, I wouldn't say they really prepared you for the real world of theatre mm -hmm. so you know I know by going to drama school I would have um like you say it'd be the next step wouldn't it in terms of that so like like you say you you have had some exposure to, to learning and training but it's always yeah. almost like the icing on top of the cake isn't it it's it's that bit that makes the difference a hundred percent yeah and you get that exposure that you need this was always the issue was that you know even though I could do acting and, and singing kind of freelance and I'd get a lot of interest like people would come up to me and be you should be on the X Factor or you should go for this and I, I did it and I got you know I got the t-shirt um it's not the best industry to be in because everyone's really mean um but well not everyone I thought that's quite a generally generalizing statement <laughs> most people that you come across aren't very nice yeah. and they're very kind of you know you need to do this you need to change this you need to change that and I think that by going to drama school, I would have had the exposure that 
I would have needed to really launch my career. Um, but unfortunately, you know, at the time I lacked the discipline. Um, I lacked the, I lacked the funds. <laughs> um, and it's, it's uh, one of those things that I think it's a part of a bigger issue as well. There's lots of talks at the moment about, you know, the types of people that go to drama school because the middle-class families, they can afford to pay the 14, 15 grand a year or a term even to go and do that and live in central London, you know? So it's kind of like coming from a working-class family who had no, you know... um, I guess didn't have the opportunity to do things like that um you know it was it was really difficult because I didn't think that's necessarily fair you know there should be yeah. more opportunity and it's, it's good as changing you know there's you can get student loans for drama school now which is great um and I think that's a really positive turn in terms of yeah, accessibility um but um you know and I, I'm incredibly grateful for the life I had as a kid um I got a lot of things I was still very privileged um you know I got to do a lot of different stuff um but that would really be my wild card would be going to drama school and doing what I love because I think about it so often you know um and but then I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for the world now you know I I still love what I do and do you, do you, is and forgive forgive my ignorance is is it then something that you could still do now or is it kind of does it is there a cutoff point again I, you're talking to a complete novice here so it's fine you apologize <laughs> I mean like anything in life you know you're never too young I always say to people you're never too young to get into anything and people go to university at like 60 and 40 and that's fine you know I don't think there's necessarily a cutoff but I think it's whether or not you have the drive yeah to get up and go and do it you know and I think for me I have thought about going back Mm. I did a little part of me was like I could just go and do it again you know I could just I could just get up and and go and and do it again and I um recently had a bit of a, a a breakdown and I kind of took some time off work and I really, really evaluated what it was that I was really looking for. I was like, could I get back into acting now? Is it, is it too much? Is it, am I driven enough still? And I just think that as much as I love the idea, you know, I just don't think it's viable, mm. um, especially after the pandemic, especially after, you know, and I'm a home comforts person. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love my, I love my home comforts. I love having money to financially support myself. Um, and I love the home that I live in. Um, I love living with my, with Daisy, mm. you know, um, so we've got a very comfortable life. And I think if I was to go back to that, I'd have to think about the hardships that yeah. come along with that, you know, and when you're 30 or you, you know, and, and you're pushing up, it's, you kind of like, I have to take a moment to be like, right. Okay. So I even need to do this properly or just no, it's no, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. So um, it is a shame, mm. uh, but if anyone wants to do it, you know, go and do it. I'm not telling you not to follow your dreams because I think it's fabulous um and I always tell people to go and do what they want what they're passionate about I think is so good um but also you know I have to be a bit realistic about the situation I I fully agree so um 
I I obviously like I kind of touched on. I I worked in retail for a long time and then transferred kind of over to HR. Not late in life, obviously. I'm I'm only thirty three, so it's not late in life. But uh, I I kind of graduated from my HR course when I was twenty nine, having kind of started it um, kind of twenty seven twenty eight, and I think like again it was that you you have to weigh up, don't you, in terms of kind of what where where you are at the time whether you can kind of commit to that and and like I say it was it was a big leap of faith um but it like you say you ultimately have to kind of like you only you can decide that like and like you say it is very much um kind of personal experience guide guide to that I think um you know did I see myself working in retail forever at that point absolutely not so I was like I have to, I have to do something else um I have to I have to give what I'm passionate about a, a chance and you know it was always the kind of the people side that I was passionate about so I had to kind of look into that and that's led me to obviously where I am um but you're you're absolutely right it's it's not it's not for everyone and I think there's there's so many factors to consider when you are thinking of it it's 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 financial it's it's way of life it's it's all these kind of external factors um and and that's not going to be for everyone. I think you you absolutely hit the nail on the head there in terms of, you know, you, it it will it will resonate. I think with a lot of people in that that kind of your what if moment there because, it, you know, it certainly resonates with me, and I'm sure it will resonate with with a lot of others in terms of kind of, you know, not not pursuing something or or not being able to because of X Y and Z. And I think you know that was a really good a really good share there, Freddie. Thank you. I'm really glad um you know I always try to I think it's always good to you know if you can inspire yourself you can inspire others I guess and I think that's um you know really important and and it's and I think what what was really kind of stood out for me was is around that drive part in terms of you know maybe maybe when people do get a little bit older and again late 20s is not old by any by any stretch because I again I'm only I'm only in my 30s um but you kind of you get to that point and it is about can I go again can I you know, do I have that drive to go you know I've got to commit to x y and z I've got to commit to this amount of time of development or this amount of time of, of trying to get that role and and all those like you say all those kind of things that that link to to kind of your drive around that that subject and I think that that was the, the really key bit for me to kind of get across to everyone else is that you know, if you are, it, it takes a, a certain amount of drive and a certain amount of kind of lining everything, you know, getting your ducks in a row in terms of yeah. kind of making sure everything is right at that time. Um, but yeah, drive drives a huge part of it, I think. A hundred percent. And it's also about the physical energy and the emotional energy that you're ready to pour into that. You know, you've got to know, you've got to be able to listen to your body and say, okay, actually, am I <laughs> emotionally invested in this? Because you know we can talk about drive but lots of things come that lots of things come along with the word drive you know are we mentally prepared are we you know emotionally prepared are we you know all of those things and I think that um if you're not there then you know that's okay that's fine yeah. you know you can take your time um and you can start things later in life um I don't think you're ever too old to start anything yeah. <laughs> um but um but yeah I, I definitely think it is about just making sure that you've got like you said you've got all your ducks in a row and you you know you're 100% sat on it 
Um, but also, you know, I've faced a lot of failure. Mm. I've had a lot of failure and I, I recognise that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's also OK, because, you know, sometimes you are just going to fail and that's fine. Uh, you pick yourself up and you try again. Mm. Uh, I can say that about the hundreds of auditions that I did <laughs> or the hundreds of interviews I did before I started yeah. doing recruitment, you know kind of looking back on it and going oh right okay actually you know I failed so many times but I got up mm. and I, I put myself back on track and I went I'm not going to let this go you know you've got to be a bit of like a dog with a bone situation um so it's all about that emotional and physical um energy that you're willing to put into it absolutely and I think that's, that's a great analogy to finish on there Freddie in terms of like a dog with a bone love that uh, so yeah thank you thank you for coming on um, thank you that's, that's, that's the end of the episode everyone uh, you know if you can like subscribe um, give us a five star rating would be great um, and yeah we'll see you again next time thanks guys thanks Freddie thanks bye <laughs>